Welcome back to Jobsessed, the podcast that's all about looking for, landing, and hopefully loving your next job. So chances are, if you're listening to this podcast or if you visit us at monster.com, you might not be happy with your job. And that's why you're coming to us to find a new one. But we wanted to look at the overall issue of workplace unhappiness because it seems so widespread. I mean, Gallup polls consistently report that nearly two-thirds of employees are either actively disengaged or ambivalent about their jobs. That's not very good. And so, you know, one might think, okay, well, an easy solution is let's find a new one. But a new job doesn't always bring you the happiness we crave, as I'm sure you have found out. I know I've found that out in the past. So we've invited Annie McKee, who is the author of the new book called How to Be Happy at Work, The Power of Purpose, Hope, and Friendship, to talk with us about what we can do to become happier at work whether or not we're able to find the job of our quote-unquote dreams. So welcome, Annie. Thank you so much for coming and joining us today. Thank you, Julia. I'm delighted to be here. So, yeah, so I think, you know, like I mentioned a little bit in the intro, I think that a lot of us think, well, if I change jobs, then I'll ultimately be happier. But if you've had enough jobs, you 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 will probably experience that it doesn't always work that way. Um, and, you know, can you can we first talk about the, just the subtitle of your book, the power of of purpose, um, and you know, and friendship and hope, and and why why it is that you think these are the key elements to, to finding happiness at work. That's a great question. I, I think what I discovered in working with a lot of people around the world is that happiness at work comes from the inside out. It's something that we create for ourselves. And you said a minute ago that. You know, a lot of people will maybe leave, lose a job or leave a job and then go somewhere else and find that they're just as unhappy there as they were in the first place. And so I started to look for answers. You know, what does make us happy at work and how can we cultivate it? And I, and I found these three things. I found we need to feel that our work is meaningful, that we're doing something that is linked to our values, that we're making a difference. We need to feel hopeful about our future and see a clear link between the work we're doing now and the future that we want for ourselves in our lives. And yes, we do need friendships. And when I was reading your book, I was reading it sort of thinking about how to take the job you currently have and, you know, and, and make it work, make, make these things suddenly appear, right? So, so let's say if you have a job and you don't have any real friends, you know, you just haven't connected with anyone yet. It sounds like, well, gosh, how do I how do I magically create that? Or if you're at a job where, let's say, there's a ton of you know layoffs happening, um, you know that that doesn't create a great sense of hope. So, how do you magically create that? Or you know, a sense of purpose. Like if you work somewhere where you don't feel connected to the mission of the company, but you're there because it's a paycheck. You know, how do you change that? So, I know these are three big questions, but those are the things that immediately came to mind because it all sound they sound great. Yeah, of course, we we all want these things. How do you, how do you manage to change something that doesn't seem to have those those elements into something that does? Yeah, another good question, Julia. You know, it's always better to run toward something than it is to run away from something. And one of the ways we can run toward happiness at work is to really take a, a good hard look around us and. Try to understand what is the real source of our unhappiness. It's really easy to blame others. And by the way, I know there's some pretty poor managers out there. I had a toxic boss once too. So it's not, 
It's not right. that these people right. don't exist, you know, but um, okay. So you've got a manager that's not the best, or maybe the culture of your organization is, is a little tougher, or maybe there've been layoffs. Yeah. Those things are real. Um, are they truly the source of your unhappiness or maybe have you become really pessimistic over the last couple of years or last period of time, or maybe you find yourself hanging out with the complaining group most of the time or, or, you know, maybe, Maybe you're not raising your hand for those exciting projects, you know, because you feel kind of beaten down and maybe you don't feel like giving more of yourself to the organization. Those things matter, too. The way we or the way we approach our work, the decisions we make about how we spend our time, the decisions we make about who to hang out with, uh, the decisions we make about whether to be positive um, and, and optimistic or negative and cynical. So. Yes, the conditions of the workplace really do matter, and some of them are beyond our control. I truly believe we have a lot more control over our own emotions, our own mindset, and what we actually do at work than we think we do. Okay, so so if somebody, let's say, for instance, was in a situation with a toxic boss, I mean, you brought, you brought that up as, a, as an example, and I know that that can feel very um, much like you're trapped, you know. Um, how do you think that a person in that situation who, for whatever reason, isn't going to be looking for a new job as the first solution could kind of try and work around that and, and, and change the way her work environment is and, and therefore her attitude and, and outlook on the situation? Uh, I will I will say to you that having a toxic boss, a truly toxic boss, is one of the most difficult things to deal with in the workplace. Yeah. I had ones, I know. Yeah. And um, what you can do if you find yourself in that situation is to reflect back on when you first started working for them. Was it bad then? What set it in, in, the, in the wrong direction? What sent you down the wrong path? What sent your boss down the wrong path? You know, kind of do your own little analysis of what happened. Just yourself. Um, mm. you, know, you can get it, get with a friend or somebody and talk about it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't talk in a gossipy kind of way, though. That's not going to help you at all if it gets back to your boss. But do a really good analysis. And here's the hard part. It's easy to point out their faults and flaws and see where they've gone wrong. But where are you in the picture? Did you contribute to it at all? Um, are there things that you could have done in the past that maybe you could have done a little bit better? Uh, are, are there things that maybe your boss is misunderstanding about you? Your intentions are good, but maybe some things have happened and you haven't looked up expectations, whatever it is. Mm. It's really hard to, live to look at ourselves, but even in a situation where we've got a bad boss, we also have to ask the questions, what's my What's my place in this in, in this situation? It takes two to tango, right? Then you've got to make a decision about what you're going to do about it. And here's fair warning for all of our listeners. We do want to make sure before we go talk to a toxic boss about that boss, <laughs> we got to make sure that we're safe. Um, some of these people really are evil and you're putting your job at risk maybe before you want to if you pick the wrong topic of conversation or the wrong time. So be very, very, very careful about that. But if you decide that you can talk to your boss and that you want to talk to your boss, here's another tip. Don't go right into the most difficult conversation of all, which is your relationship. Take a couple weeks and do what you can to build a little bit of trust. 
have a little chat in the hallway, smile, um, turn in a report a day early. You know, just little things. And, you know, if you do those those little things for a couple of weeks, when you say to your boss, hey, could we talk in a, a week or so, maybe over a cup of coffee? Uh, then when you go into that room, it's not, hey, this is what you did and this is what I'd like you to do differently. Remember, they are your boss. You go in with the attitude that you're there to fix something you both need, which is the relationship. And you say, you know, I really, I hope we can have a great conversation here. I really do like working here. And I've noticed a few things lately that I'd love to get your insight about. And there you go. You can go from there to a better conversation. It could take a few of these before you turn these, turn it around. Well, that, that's great advice. And I think that that's something that, you know, even with almost the most toxic boss that, you, you know, these are steps that, that, that we could take, um, you know, to try and improve that relationship and make it a little bit better. Um, another thing that you talk about is the idea of having a sense of meaning in what you do for work. And I think that's, so I asked you, I think probably one of the hardest questions first. And this one, you know, I think is, um, is so important. It is important to feel that, you care about what you're doing and it's more than just a paycheck. I mean, that, that definitely, I I feel like anyone can identify with that, but it's not always easy. Um, depending on what it is you're doing, depending on what your life circumstances are, if you've just ended up in a, in a career path that you didn't intend on. And, um, you know, what, what, what would your, what would your advice be for, for people who, really don't feel like they have a lot of meaning in their current job. And, you know, and perhaps the answer is to find a different role, you know, in a, in a different, in a different type of career. Um, but do you have any suggestions for people who, you know, are, are, are kind of like stuck in a particular, you know, this is what they do, but they're not feeling passionate about it. I do have some advice for people who feel stuck in a job that doesn't feel very fulfilling. Um, you know, we can actually find meaning in, jobs that from the outside looking in don't look all that great. In fact, there's a a wonderful researcher, her name is Amy Rosniewski, and she and her colleagues have done studies of people in jobs like janitorial services, um, cafeteria workers, that sort of thing. And, you know, those jobs might feel not so great, right? The conditions might not be great. And you could find yourself uh, not necessarily feeling um, as if it's all that fulfilling. But her research shows that People in those kind of jobs, as well as people in organizations with mission-driven um, values and all of that, can find meaning in the work. The janitors that she studied, for example, some of them really un- understood their job to be a calling. Um, in a hospital, for, for example, where they were working, they saw their job as keeping the environment clean for the patients and for the families. Now, that's a really different different way of looking at your job than I'm here to sweep the floor, right? Right. So they say, yeah, they say what we can do is what they call job crafting. And we, we shift our understanding of what we're there to do. It's kind of kind of like a, a mental gyrations, right? It's a mindset shift. Yeah. The other thing that we, yeah. yeah, the other thing that we can do in any job is find meaning in our relationships. That's a source of meaning. I've been in some really crummy jobs myself. Okay, Mm -hmm. I have cleaned houses back in the day and, you know, waitressing and and they they were tough jobs. I will not lie to you. They were really tough jobs. But the people I went to work for the people and a lot of us go to the work for the go to work for the people. We enjoy them. Right. 
So find a friend. Yeah, and and that can make all the difference in the world. And, you know, it's funny because I've experienced kind of what you're talking about, um, both when it comes to someone making their job have a lot more meaning than it could and also improving um, my life at work through relationships. So there's a guy who works in our um, cafeteria at Monster, and he just makes everybody happy. You know, he is so pleasant and upbeat and fun, and he... Really, I believe, I am, cannot be the only one who feels this way. I think we all look forward to seeing him every day, you know. And, and you know, and I think he, he really does probably have, feel, understand that he has that effect on people and, and takes, has some pride in his work. And, um, and so it's, it, it does make a big difference, um, you know. And, and I think the friendship thing, I think, can be, you know, I've been in jobs. I was in a, in a job a couple of years ago where, I was actually quite a little bit older than everybody else, so I didn't have a lot in common with a lot of my coworkers, so that made it a little, little bit difficult. But, you know, I would try and find common ground with people, and, and just having some rapport was, was helpful. You know, where I currently work, I actually, you know, there's a lot more rapport, and that makes such a difference. It really does. It really does. I love the story about the cafeteria worker. That's exactly what I'm talking about. He's building friendly, warm relationships with everybody he touches. How good is that, right? Yeah. And it makes a difference. When we have even one friend in the workplace, we look forward to getting up and going there because we know we're going to have some fun or have a buddy or have somebody to, you know, kind of pat us on the back if we're having a bad day, right? Right. Uh, it really, really makes a difference. And you talked about being in a job where maybe you were a little bit older and people had different interests and things. I think we have to work a little bit harder maybe to find common ground when we're when there are differences but every organization is packed full of people who are different from one another we come from different parts of the world we have different cultures we understand and see the world differently we've had different experiences or age or gender all those things they really do have us they, they really do make us different from one another one of the things that I am really committed to in, in my own life and my own work life and also with the executives and leaders I work with is to foster a sense of curiosity about other people. Everybody's got a story and no matter how different we are from one another, the likelihood of finding something that we share, um, some common human bond is pretty high. And if mm. we can find that, you know, that's the start of a relationship. And, I, and it, yeah, it makes me think that it really is our responsibility to do that, to reach out, because I've definitely been in situations where I've said, okay, well, I'm just going to go into my cubicle and get my work done and go home. And, you know, by doing that, I'm not even making it possible to get to know people, get to know their stories and, and build those relationships. And sure, I might be doing good work, but it, it leaves out a huge part of what work is about. <laughs> It does. It, it really does. And, you know, people often ask, ask me, well, what can I do to be happier at work? And, you know, some of the tips that I give people are pretty simple, but they make a big difference. You know, for one, don't lock yourself in your cubicle or your office. Get out, go find somebody and have a conversation about something that's not linked to work. Um, take a lunch break, like a real lunch break. Don't eat at your desk. Uh, don't eat in your cubicle. Um, go find somebody, grab a sandwich, and go for a walk. I mean, they sound like really simple things, but those very basic human things make, first of all, they revive and renew us, you know, and to get up and walk around and, you know, talk about something other than work feels pretty good. And they also um, foster a sense of 
hey, we're in this together, um, you know, let's go have some fun together. And you don't have to be best friends with everybody either. You don't have to go on vacation with them. You don't even have to go to dinner with them. But finding ways to connect during the workday in, in little ways makes a huge difference. Absolutely. And then I think the, the kind of the last sort of big topic I wanted to, to address with you was, you know, you, you talk about something called the, the five happiness traps. And, you know, I think that there definitely must come a point where, you, you know, whatever the job is that you're in, if you're looking for happiness, you just might not find it there. You know, and, you know, is there a right. So I think I wanted to kind of ask you that, like, you know, if you've if you're in a job and, you know, what, what, whatever it might be, you know, what are some of the, and I think looking at you, these happiness traps and we'll let the readers know, I mean, the readers, the listeners know what they are in a minute, but, you know, I think those would be some good kind of um, guidelines, you know, some, some warning signs like, okay, if you're not getting any of these, then maybe it is time to move on. So, mm, so yeah. I mean, one of the ones you talk about is overwork. And yeah, I think yeah. Overwork's a disease these days, Julia. Sorry, sorry to interrupt there. It's, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, we carry our work in our pockets, right? E- emails and texts and, yeah. you know, just check something online real quick. And, and what can happen, partly because of the pressure of our organizations, is that we find ourselves working all the time. So if, if you find yourself trapped by overwork, if you find yourself looking at that phone, you know, during dinner and after dinner instead of talking with your kids or, uh, if you've skipped yet another vacation, uh, well, you know what? That might be a problem. And unless you look inside yourself and fix what's driving you to do that, even if you do quit your job and go somewhere else, you'll just start up again. You'll yeah. just start up again. So it's really, you know, it's, we all have our demons. We all have our insecurities. And the combination of, of that with a lot of pressure in our workplaces means that oftentimes we will work too much. And you know, I love my work, so I really love my work. But um, if I don't get a break from it, I'm not going to be very happy, am I? No, no. Not only will you feel overworked, but you know, I think that it can create a not very dimensional person. You know, when all you are is is, is your work. <laughs> so true. And not only that, relationships suffer. Yes. Relationships at work, but relationships outside of work. Tempers are frayed you know, we're the hair trigger, you know, and we can find even our closest uh, friends and, and loved ones are suffering because of our burnout. And that's really no good. So yeah, you talk about happiness traps. Some of these are things that we do to ourselves. And a lot of your uh, listeners, our listeners today are, are looking for jobs. And one piece of advice I would give everybody is to stay away from the should trap. Don't take a job because you think you should. And yeah, I know we all have to pay the bills. And sometimes you take a job to pay the bills. It's okay. Um, but if you've got a little bit of time and the luxury of looking for one that fits, don't let the fancy name of that big company blind you to what you really want. Or if the job really doesn't look like it fits you, don't do it, right? Go find what you want to do, not what you think you should do. Yes, absolutely. And, and I think, you know, again, not everybody has that luxury, but I think in, we have all kinds of advice um, and monster about, you know, the interview process and really trying to assess whether something is right for you and, um, and, you know, not taking something just because of the money 
which I think is another thing that people get trapped by, you know, um, whether it's accepting a job or, you know, uh, you know, whatever it might be, a career itself because of the, the money, even if you're miserable, um, because, you know, uh, money, money doesn't always buy happiness. <laughs> no, it, it really doesn't. And there's, uh, there are tons of studies that show beyond um, enough money to live the lifestyle that we desire, it doesn't satisfy us. Now, I'm also not naive. We all need money. Ask anybody who doesn't have it. And for me, there was a time in my life where I was actually pretty poor and it was really hard. So I don't want to say that mm. it doesn't matter at all. It does. But um, if you find yourself staying in a job just to get that next promotion or that bonus, um, you're probably also going to find out that the minute you get the promotion or that bonus, you know, you're still miserable Um, or you're looking forward to the next one and and you're not enjoying the present moment. Or if you're taking a job because the salary is, you know, pretty good. Well, that's great. If you also like the job, you have to like the job. Right. Right. I, I definitely, definitely agree with that, that, you know, if it's just money only and you don't have those other things you were talking about, especially the sense of purpose and fulfillment, then it's very difficult, I think. And, and this is really what I, you know, I, I, I got to, it's really difficult to find the motivation um, to do your job if you don't mm-hmm. have mm-hmm. the, you know, the, the purpose, the meaning, a sense of hope, you know, some relationships at work. Um, I, I, it's, you know, I, I, it can't even, it, what a, what a drudgery. It is drudgery. And it's even more, um, we know now again, from studies that people have done, um, Sean Aker is the name of one of these people has done a lot of studies in positive psychology that shows happiness comes before success, not the other way around. In other words, when we're happy, we're more successful on the job. And I think in life too. Mm. So there's a really good concrete reason to seek happiness on the job. You're going to be smarter. It's partly because, you know, feelings impact how we think and what we do. Yes. Yeah. So if we're optimistic and enthusiastic and excited, guess what? Our brains work better and we're probably going to have better relationships too because we're fun to be around. Yes. And the opposite is true. You know, if we're negative and cynical, ooh, nobody wants to be around that. Absolutely. And if we're chasing success rather than happiness, it's, it's just not, you know, you may or may not attain the success, but you're probably not going to attain the happiness. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely right, Julia. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another thing that the, the final thing you mentioned, well, that yeah, we don't have a lot of time, so I just want to, is a sense of helplessness, which is another trap. And I think this is something that, that a lot, it can come in so many different forms you know, um, and we've touched on a lot of different things, you know, maybe helplessness because of a bad boss, helplessness because you feel you need a certain amount of money in order to survive, helplessness because there are things going on around you at work that you, you, you feel like you can't control. Um, what do you, what is your advice for if you're feeling consumed with a sense of helplessness at work? If you're feeling really, truly helpless in your workplace and you feel that you don't have the power to make any changes at all, this is the time to take a hard, hard look at what you're doing, where you're doing it, and why you feel that way. Um, There is nothing worse than feeling stuck and helpless to make a change. It could take you a while to build up your confidence against because usually by the time you feel helpless, you may have been kind of bashed around for a while or beaten up, or at least that's the way it feels 
do, right? Um, but it is, it, of all the happiness traps, I think it's the worst. And I, I would recommend that if any, any of our listeners today are, are uh, in that place and feeling really helpless and stuck, um, yeah, you want to do some reflecting on your own, but you've probably been stuck for so long that you may not even be able to see reality all that clearly. Um, that's what happens when we feel helpless. So I would really strongly encourage you to find a trusted friend, either inside work or outside, and talk with them about how it how it feels. Um, and try not to focus only on the horrible part of feeling helpless. And how you in the future, focus on the future. And gradually try to get yourself out of this negative, helpless mindset. And it, if it continues, uh, you may indeed want to look for another job or look for another team to work on inside your own organization. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think that it's a, that's a good a good time to think about think about a new job if you aren't already. Um, and you know, I really I think your book is great, and and I recommend any of our listeners who you know have been feeling that sense of just. Ugh, I don't know how to become more, you know, how to become happier at this job. And, and if you've just kind of thrown in the towel, maybe don't throw in the towel quite yet. Um, and, uh, and, and check out Annie's book, How to Be Happy at Work. Um, and, and, you know, and you can simultaneously be looking for another job. We always recommend that. You know, you can try and make things work where you are, but always, you know, keep your options open. Um, you know, by, by checking out Monster, setting up email alerts, um, you know, I think too. Actually, that's something that I I, I did want to touch on. Is we've we've written about this before too. Is this idea that sometimes what makes people feel better at a job that they're not currently happy with is just the mere act of looking for another one, and the sense that they're they're not trapped. Totally, and and that's a great way to get out of that helplessness trap. Right, take some action. Yeah. Um, Visit Monster, um, like you said, set up some email alerts. That will start focusing your your attention on the future, a hopeful view of the future where maybe you won't be where you are now. And it also makes you feel powerful. You're taking action, right? right? And we need to feel powerful. We need to feel that we can control our own fate. Absolutely. So, well, Monster definitely wants to give people that power. So, um, you know, thank you so much for coming on and talking with us. And, um, you know, I think it's a great topic. You know, work is a huge portion of our lives. Most of us spend, what, like 75% of our lives um, at work or thinking about it. And, um, and, and, you know, and it's been, it's, that's, that's, that's not going to change. So uh, if we can try and become happier, then I think that that's uh, a goal we can all strive towards. So thank you again so, so much for your time. And um, and uh, I hope you have a great rest of your day. Oh, thank you, Julia. You too. Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Hopefully you got something out of our interview with Annie and can bring some of these happiness tips into your current job. But if that doesn't seem possible, it might be time to look for a new one, something we are more than happy to help with. You can start by setting up a job alert on Monster, which means you'll get regular emails whenever we have a job posting that fits your search criteria. And if you're ready to get even more active, upload your resume to Monster. That way, recruiters can find you in our database, and you'll be ready to apply as soon as you see a great job, even from a mobile device. We're going to be taking a little hiatus here at Jobsessed to rethink how we want to frame the podcast. If you'd like to share any of your thoughts with us, 
please email us at content at monster.com. Until we return, happy job hunting.